Welcome to the OCR Underground Show. Each week, you get the latest research, training secrets of top coaches, and everything you need to crush your next obstacle course race and finish burpee-free. Here's your host, SGX coach, Mike Diebler. All right, what's up, everyone? This is SGX coach Mike Diebler, and welcome to episode 94 of the OCR Underground Show. So, always thank you for making this a part of your OCR training routine. Hopefully, I'm going to provide you with some awesome insight on how you can crush your next obstacle course race. If you want to check out the show notes for today's episode, head on over to OCRunderground.com slash episode 94. Well, this past weekend, uh, we finished hosting the... Uh, DECA Strong and DECA Mile Combo Weekend at my studio, San Diego Premier Training. And it was such a fun event. Um, I think everyone had an awesome time. I think we had 85 or 90 people come through and uh, between the two days and do the race. So it was uh, just a ton of people, all fitness levels um, and and just a lot of fun. It, it was cool to see the Elite guys, I mean, when we did the DECA mile, we had three guys under 19 minutes, um, which is just crazy. Uh, another one under 20 minutes, and then um, a few other very, very fast times. So it was really just cool to watch those guys go and, and do their things, and um, just just incredible. But uh, and even cooler is seeing them stick around and uh and hang out and cheer on everybody else going through you know from from whoever you know was last place to first place they're all there competing doing the same thing and and to see those guys stick around and and cheer be, cheer everybody on was was really cool um i got to do the deca strong um i was able to do the mile earlier this year when we hosted the last one and i uh, wasn't sure if i was going to do it or not it's it's super stressful and um just so much anxiety putting on these events, just making sure it goes smoothly and everybody has a good time and everything's working the way it's supposed to work. Uh, so I wasn't sure if it was going to happen, but um, me and uh, one of our trainers, Erica, decided to uh, to go at the very end. So we went head to head and uh, man, she crushed me. Not only did the course crush me, but uh, she just uh, destroyed it and was really cool. And the cool thing is, um, and one of the reasons I, I really got into DECA and I, I kind of like this idea is she didn't train, you know, a single day specifically for this event. Um, she just trained, uh, she's fit, she's athletic, uh, she's strong, she's fast, and she didn't need to, I mean, sure. If she trained specifically for it, uh, she I'm sure would get faster. And if that's something she really wanted to do, she could absolutely go there. But I mean, she she actually competed both days and I believe put up the fastest female time on both days. I might be off on that, but if not, it's top three for sure um, without any specific training for the event. And it just goes to show you that um, something like this, it's really, it, it's a great test of just your overall strength and fitness levels and endurance. Uh, and kind of how you put all those things together because it's all big movement patterns and it's uh, obviously there's a skill component that I've talked about in previous episodes and you know you can be a better or more efficient rower and 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 things like that but as long as you um, are pretty fit uh, you're probably going to have a pretty good time on here and then it's a great way to to set that baseline and then do it again and and kind of see how your fitness is going whether or not you're specifically training for it and I just think 
you know, it's a, a big thing to bring up because I'll, I'll talk to people and they'll, they'll talk about, well, I haven't been training for something like this. I don't, I don't know if I can do it. And I, I think you should just go out there and, and sign up for one of these and do it and just see where you're at. And, and obviously you can put in the specific work if you're really looking to, to get the most out of it and, and get the fastest time and try to qualify for, for, you know, worlds and, and things like that. Um, all that's great, but there's no reason not to just get out there and do it because it's a great test of, of kind of where you're at. So, um, so like I said, great event. If you haven't done one, uh, definitely recommend, uh, checking that out. The other kind of big thing, um, big news that just recently came out was, you know, Spartan had to cancel Tahoe and the world championship. And I know everybody is super bummed and, you know, obviously they, they had to make the decision with the fires and, um, you know, nobody wanted to do it, right? They wanted to run the event. Um, everybody wanted to go and, and race, but it just it didn't work out that way. And, you know, it's it's a bummer, but I think we should be kind of, I don't want to say used to this, but we should be prepared to handle, you know, things like this. It, it's a bummer. And you, you put in that hard work and you, you want to display that level of training and, the, and where you're at at these races and then it gets canceled and it, and it sucks. And there's just no easy way to say it, but it's kind of like we all went through with, with COVID, you know, all of our races being canceled and then they'd be tempted that they were coming back and then canceled again. And you just didn't know what to do. Should you train, you know, how, how do you train if you don't really know when you're going to race next? Um, but it's, it's kind of one of those things where, you know, you just kind of have to deal with it and move on. And we know there's going to be more races and, and I get it. You know, sometimes it's a financial thing. Maybe you book things, you know, hopefully you can get refunded or credits or, or whatever it is. Um, but there's always going to be another race and you just keep that level up. You keep that, that baseline that all that work you've been doing is not wasted. It's just being delayed on you being able to display it. So now you have more time, uh, maybe get healthy, um, work even harder, you know, just trying to put a positive spin on it, but it's, it's just something, you know, that we have to deal with. And, um, it just reminds me, I, I worked with a client who was uh, training for the ultra world championships and, um, because of, of COVID and, and health restrictions, we, she trained her butt off, um, and wasn't able to go. And I could only imagine, you know, this, uh, that that's just devastating to, to train so hard especially for such a long race, 24 hour race, and, and then not be able to go, uh, that, that there's no easy way to, to deal with that. But we talked about it and we ended up putting on our own, you know, kind of a ultra world championship event that she could do, um, to still show and, and display all that hard work she did. So it wasn't, wasn't for nothing there. And, and there's just always going to be another opportunity. And unfortunately things don't go the way that we, we plan sometimes, but we just have to work around it. So if you were signed up for it, you know, I know it's a bummer. Um, keep training, keep focusing on what you need to do. And, uh, and there's going to be more races out there for you to, to go crush it. With all that being said, I have another great episode for you today. Uh, a couple things that I wanted to, to get out and talk about. Uh, first up in my research review, I want to talk about a, uh, some interesting research on looking at recovery and breathing and something that you absolutely should be doing, uh, probably every night before you go to bed, especially if you struggle with sleep. So you definitely want to listen up for, um, good insight on, on sleep and improving your recovery. Uh, and then in the inside Mike's mind segment, I'm hoping I have a couple ways, three, 
three ways in particular that you can spice up your training. I know sometimes we get a little stale, kind of do the same things over and over and you need to change it up a little bit. So I have three ideas to throw at you that hopefully you can implement and um, just maybe get a little more excitement back in your training plan. Before we get into today's episode, I want to take a few minutes and let you know about our sponsors. Uh, first, I wanted to talk about Venga CBD. Uh, Venga CBD makes CBD products specifically with the endurance athlete in mind to help you train longer, race harder, and recover faster. Uh, their CBD products are five times more bioavailable than typical CBD products on the market. Uh, I've been taking the products for a, a long time, and it's really helped aid in the recovery process for myself. Um, if you've been training for OCR for a while, you know what it does to the body. We train hard, we beat ourselves up, we need to recover, and sometimes we need a little bit of extra help there. I love the combination of the recovery balm with the recovery gels. I think it's a great one-two punch to help deal with some of that inflammatory response from uh, high-intensity training. So head on over to vengacbd.com slash OCR underground. Uh, check out their gels, uh, the recovery balm, and if you're having trouble with sleep, they also have a great sleep aid as well. Uh, when you head over to that website, you're also going to see uh, some coupon codes that'll uh, help you save big on your next order. And speaking of recovery, let's talk about recovering the, the feet a little bit. Uh, I want to talk about Naboso. Uh, Naboso makes incredible products with uh, their uh, very innovative barefoot technology. We know that the hands and the feet are loaded with sensory receptors to help restore movement, to provide information to our brain. And when we can wake up these uh, sensory receptors, we can help restore better movement quality. Most people are stuck in sneakers all day and their feet are essentially just dead and paralyzed. So these are great ways to help awaken these uh, sensory receptors so we can start getting a better foundation. When we can wake up that foot and get better control from the feet, it's ultimately gonna help improve posture, balance, running, walking, and just human movement in general. Uh, I love their insoles. Uh, I wear them all day, just walking around, working out. Now, and then when I get home, pop the shoes off and I can put the, their uh, toe splays on to help restore better foot alignment and toe position. So really cool products, not just for the heat, uh, feet, but for the hands as well. Uh, so check it out at naboso.com. That's N-A-B-O-S-O.com. And if you use my last name in the promo code box, Diebler, D-E-I-B-L-E-R, uh, you can save on your next order. And then finally, I want to let you know about my current favorite training tool, the Anchor, Anchor Trainer. Um, this is a, essentially a portable cable machine, uh, similar to a cable machine or a flywheel, but they, uh, one, are incredibly cheap compared to those different uh, items. Uh, so it's a great addition to a home gym, and they're very portable and small. You can put them anywhere. So if you're training in your garage or even bring it outside and attach it to a tree or a fence, uh, so versatile with where you can put it and all the different things you can do. I love uh, the, the way they design this. Uh, it's spring-loaded, so you can add power to just about any movement that you want to train. You just can't do that on a cable machine. Uh, so really cool, uh, very innovative product. Uh, we ended up buying four of them for my studio because they were just getting used so much. Uh, but heading over to anchortraining.com, that's A-N-C-O-R-E training.com. And again, if you use my last name, Diebler, in the promo box, you can save on your next order. All right, well, let's get into today's episode. 
All right, in today's research review, I'm going to talk a little bit about a pre-sleep breathing routine. And uh, this research was really cool, just showed how paying attention to, to your breath um, and actually doing a little biofeedback uh, pre-sleep helped in, improve sleep. So pretty cool. I, I've talked a lot about breathing in previous episodes, but remember, we, we have our nervous system that essentially controls everything in our body. And um, our autonomic nervous system is the things that we essentially can't control for the most part. Um, you know, like your, uh, your breathing, obviously you, you have some control over it. Um, it is conscious, but it's also going to be subconscious, right? When you go to sleep, for example, your brain is going to make sure that you keep breathing. So, so you survive, uh, your heart beating, things like that. So, um, I've, I've talked in the past about the different branches of our autonomic nervous system, the, the sympathetic and the parasympathetic. And I think most people are pretty comfortable with understanding what those are. Uh, but our sympathetic is that, uh, nervous system response, you know, fight or flight adrenaline. So to prepare you for some kind of stress on the body. And uh, parasympathetic is that rest and digest to help you recover from that that stress. So uh, think of it as neither neither of these are are bad, right? They're they're both good things. They're both essential for our bodies to to function the way they do. Um, the problem comes up when we are kind of driven towards just one of these, and typically we'll see overactivity of of the sympathetic nervous system, right? You're always under stress, you're training super hard all the time, not recovering, and there's a cost to this and, a, and it causes problems. And what we wanna see is this balance. So we think of it as it's, it's not an on off switch, you don't switch back and forth. It's like a dimmer switch. One's gonna contribute more, one's gonna back off and contribute less, right? Like you can't be uh, primed to handle stress and relax at the same time, right? That won't work. So we have to gear one more towards one or towards the other. Now, any kind of stress will set this off. You know, for the most part, we essentially are talking about uh, training as stressing our body, but remember that any kind of stress influences the system. So even if it's not super hard training that you're doing, if there's other stressors in your life, um, these are all things that you're gonna need to consider. So uh, like I said, a lot of this activity is just happening, right? We don't have direct control over it, but we can use our breath to influence and kind of get an idea of what's going on. And that's why you'll hear like breathing is the window into the nervous system because we have some, some interaction there that we do have some control over with a lot of different types of, of breathing exercises. And, you know, this is important for a lot of reasons, but if we're, we're trying to train hard, we have to make sure we're recovering, right? So we have to do extra things just like taking a day off isn't necessarily all we need to do. There's other things that maybe we can do to enhance this so we can get back to training harder again. So the that's the idea, right? We want to train as often as we can, but also getting recovery as fast as we can. Um, so when we, when we can increase that parasympathetic activity after we've stressed the body, we can now have more energy available to deal with recovery and all the things that we do need to do to recover from that stress. If we don't get that increase in parasympathetic activity, it's more sympathetic. We're constantly dealing with stress and never really using that energy to help recover from it. So um, I know I've talked a lot about these concepts in the past, but before I get too deep into this research, I wanted to make sure we're kind of all on the same page and understand well, why we're even talking about this. Now with this study, they looked at 
um, some biofeedback. So they did some breathing exercises and monitored it with the HRV or heart rate variability. Another topic I've talked about in the past, heart rate variability is um, the variations in your heartbeat, right? So we have our heart rate, how many times your beat will uh, your heart will beat per minute. So if it beats every second, you'd have a heart rate of 60 beats per minute. But we know in, in actuality, it's not going to really beat every second, right? There's going to be some, some variation there. So it might be uh, in one second, half a second, a second and a half. So there's going to be this, this fluctuation. And you'll notice that if you ever track your heart rate, every time you inhale, you're going to see an increase in your heart rate. So your heart's going to start to beat faster. And then when you exhale, you're going to start to see your heart rate slow down. Uh, this is kind of that balance of parasympathetic and sympathetic nervous systems working together because they both control heart rate. Now, when we're under a lot of stress, not only do we typically see your heart rate increase, but we see less variation, right? So it's, it's whether you're inhaling, exhaling, you kind of have the, a regular beat. Uh, the same intervals over and over and over again. And while that might sound good, uh, that's actually not something that we're necessarily looking for if we're trying to improve recovery. We want more variation. So having a higher heart rate variability is going to be uh, uh, indicating that we're having more parasympathetic activity, which means we're, we're probably getting into more of a recovery uh, situation. So that's that's the idea behind heart rate variability. So we can we can pretty easily track that. So with all that being said, uh, basically what they did, they had Olympic athletes. These were Chinese bobsledders. Uh, so just eight of them, not a huge study, is, uh, but it was with elite level athletes. And they did a cro randomized crossover study. So basically they all did um, uh, monitored sleep, one with uh, this biofeedback and without it. So they can kind of compare the differences. Uh, so what they did was, um, if, if it was the control, they basically just slept and monitored their their sleep uh, to see kind of what the baseline was without any biofeedback. Uh, when they went through the uh, experimental side of it, what they would do was before uh, sleep, so they would um, take a questionnaire that was like a mood questionnaire to kind of find out what where their head was, you know, what how, how anxious they were, stressed, depressed, any any things like that. So they would take that uh, about uh, 50 minutes before bedtime, uh, and then again uh, a little bit right right before, like five minutes before bedtime. Um, and in between that, they would, uh, about 35 minutes before bedtime, they would do this biofeedback, which essentially was just monitored breathing. So they would do some deep breath work, um, and they would be able to see their, their HRV. So they would just be able to get a little bit of feedback of how their breathing is influencing their, their HIV, so, uh, HRV. So that is their, uh, the biofeedback. So they can see based on their breath work, how it's controlling or influencing their heart rate variability. Now they'd measure their heart rate variability at 45 minutes and 10 minutes before bedtime. So you can see there's a lot going on here. They would take a questionnaire, measure HRV, uh, do about 20 minutes of breathing, then they would uh, measure HRV again, uh, complete that questionnaire again to just kind of see what was going on before and after uh, this breathing experiment. And then they'd go to bed. And during sleep, they would measure uh, things like sleep duration and sleep quality throughout the night. So what were the results? What they found was those, uh, when the athletes used that biofeedback, it actually led to uh, an increase in sleep efficiency, an increase in 
percentage of deep sleep duration, a decrease in the percentage of light sleep duration, which I guess makes sense there, uh, an increase in parasympathetic activity, which led to uh, a decrease in sympathetic uh, nervous system activity. And they also found improved mood, reduced tension, depression, fatigue, um, all things like that prior to sleep. So pretty interesting that just by doing one, a little bit of breath work um, and having that feedback where they were actually be being able to see how their breath work was influencing their, their body, uh, specifically with their heart rate variability, uh, 20 minutes of that prior to bed uh, led to an increase in sleep quality and sleep duration, which is pretty cool. And then they just felt better. So the study didn't look at any training aspects, right? So we don't know specifically if, hey, if you do this, it, it will lead to uh, higher levels of performance or training improvements. Uh, so we'll have to wait for future studies to uh, shed some light on that. But at least it's sh sharing some pretty interesting light on this subject of, of, of breath work and uh, heart rate variability and, and just improving sleep. Because we know it just in terms of recovery, the better sleep that you get, the faster you're going to be able to recover, right? If you're getting poor sleep and you're expecting, you know, doing ice baths and compression and, and all these other, you know, fancy recovery tools are going to help you. It's just not right. You have to get the big things done like nutrition and like sleep. So if you find yourself struggling maybe with getting a good night's sleep, sure, there's lots of different things you can do, uh, but this might be a simple um, you know, very cheap place to start is just by focusing on uh, deep quality breaths. Um, if you can monitor your HRV, that's great. But I think just focusing on a few minutes uh, prior to bed every single night uh, will really go a long way. Now, what type of breathing should you do? There's so many different types out there. They're probably all going to be effective. I think they're all just good at making you aware of better breath. A lot of us spend too much time, you know, with these short little breaths, almost hyperventilating all day, which is causing that increase in, in stress in the system, increase in sympathetic act activity. So just by slowing down, down your breath. Um, but the uh, other research has shown that if we can hit about six breaths per minute, we're probably uh, doing a uh, hitting a good pace. Now, how exactly you do that, that's where, you know, we can debate on what the best breathing method is out there. But I think you know, if you're hitting six breaths per minute, that's one breath every 10 seconds. So five seconds inhale, five seconds exhale, I think is a great place to start. And obviously there's different variations in there, um, but just getting those nice long breaths, just making sure your breath is lasting about 10 seconds. Um, and then if you need a little shorter inhale and a little longer exhale, um, you know, you're going to do what works best for you, because I think there's probably variability with that as well. Some people do better with specific types of breathing. Um, so that's that's something that you definitely want to play around with. Um, there is uh, an app. It's uh, HRV for biofeedback. And I'll put a link in the show notes. It's from the, the same creators of the HRV for training app that measures heart rate variability. Um, Marco, um, the, uh, the creator of this, I, I've had him on the podcast. I'll put a link to his episode as well where we talked a lot about what HRV is. And if you want to dive down that, that hole a little bit deeper, you can check that uh, episode out. But, um, you know, it's, it's just a nice app that it will help you with that breath work, give you some biofeedback, measuring your HRV. And uh, also it's going to give you a little bit of a customization so you can see maybe 
three seconds in, seven seconds out is the best cadence for you. Um, so you can you can try different methods and see what works best for you. So pretty cool. Um, I you know I always love talking about this topic this topic of helping recovery um, and just knowing how important sleep is and breath work. I think this was a really cool study to to show that hey, this is something that we need to be paying attention to. So uh, so give it a try and see a few minutes before bed every night if this is just helping get a better night's sleep and hopefully helping you recover a little bit faster. Well, let's talk about spicing up your training program a little bit and a little hesitant to, to talk about things like this because I feel like sometimes people tend to jump from one thing to the next and they never really follow a, a solid program. And instead, they just, you know, jump from one shiny object to the next shiny object. So just keep that in mind. You have to give things a, a solid chance to, to really get the most out of it. So if, if things are working, you stick with them until they're not working anymore. Um, that being said, I realized the longer you train, the less you're going to get out of, you know, sticking with the same program. You're going to have to create a little bit more variety in there. Uh, that being said, you know, you still have to stick with it. Nothing's going to happen overnight. It takes time to get these adaptations that we're looking for, you know, when we're trying to build strength or build muscle. So give it time. If you are continuing to see progress, stick with it for as long as possible. So you don't have to keep keep jumping from one thing to the next. Um, so, uh, but there are some things that you probably can uh, mix up and pay attention to. Now, Obviously, we always can add more weight, and sometimes that's appropriate. We need to get strong, and we're just going to expose you to heavier loads. Uh, it gets to a point where you're only going to get so strong, um, and maybe just it, you're not really getting as much out of it just by adding more weight. Uh, and then obviously, there adds the increased risk of injury. You know, the closer you're training to like a one rep max, to, to failure, all these things. Uh, the more likely that something can go wrong. Um, you know, it just doesn't take a whole lot to hurt yourself. You turn a little bit funny, you twist, trying to get that last rep, and then now you're set back for, for six months because you, you hurt yourself. So um, adding more weight isn't always going to be ideal. So there's there's other things we can do. So I wanted to talk about three different ways to help spice up your training, uh, to hopefully help you break through plateaus if you feel like you've been stuck. But also giving variety. I, I get it. It's sometimes we want to do different things, um, challenge our body a little bit differently. So these are uh, uh, things that maybe you've heard of before, maybe not. But if nothing else, a nice reminder that let's let's change up your program a little bit. And I'm not actually going to talk about exercises because you can do these things with any kind of exercise for the most part. Um, so let's get into uh, our first one. So the first way to, to spice up your training program is adding cluster sets and cluster sets been around for a while, but I feel like it's getting more and more popularity now. And you're seeing more and more research studies on how it's uh, its effectiveness. Uh, most of it's looking at for improving uh, uh, muscle size, strength and power using these cluster sets. Uh, some people may refer to them as rest pause training. But it's I uh, essentially you're just doing mini sets within within a set. So what? So for example, let's say you know normally you're doing three sets of ten reps. 
for whatever exercise it might be. And you might still do that with a cluster set, but instead of just doing a set of 10 reps, you're actually gonna do just a few reps. So anywhere from like one to four reps, then you're gonna take a short break for about one to 30 seconds and then repeat that until you hit your, your 10 reps. So maybe instead of doing that one set of 10, you do five sets of two within that one set. Then once you've completed your, your cluster set, you rest, you know, you, you move on to something else, and then you'd, you'd come back and do it for another set there. So that's essentially the, the idea behind the cluster set. And I think there's a lot of good reasons to do something like this. The main thing is you're going to be able to train with much higher intensities because instead of doing 10 reps all at once, you're taking these pauses. So you have a brief recovery in between every few reps. So you're still hitting your 10 reps. Your volume is essentially going to be the, the same in terms of number of, of reps and sets, but your loading uh, is going to be much higher than you typically would do for 10, 10 reps. So hopefully that makes sense. Um, so we're going to be hitting higher intensity efforts, which is great. We're going to expose our body to higher level challenges. Uh, we're not doing it to absolute failure because we are taking these breaks. So we're going to lower our risk of, of injury and things like that. Uh, but I think one thing we've, I, I, I've talked about a few studies that have looked at velocity-based training. And um, when we say velocity, we don't necessarily mean fast, although it could be fast training, but just the velocity of movement. And one thing we obviously know is as you complete a set, the, the speed in which you complete your first rep and your last rep are typically different. Um, and what a few uh, newer research studies are showing is that when that velocity drops too much, you're actually uh, not getting uh, the same benefits. So we're trying to maintain velocity. Obviously, there's going to be some drop off, but the more we can maintain velocity from the beginning set to the end, the, the probably the more beneficial that that set's going to be. So using something like a cluster set is a great way to uh, to maintain velocity because I can do, you know, two reps uh, at a pretty good velocity, take a short rest, then I go right back to two reps, probably keep that that same velocity and we just repeat for the entire set. So we can use this in a number of different ways. Um, like I mentioned before, you're going to see a lot of it for building size, strength, power. I think uh, depending on how you set up the cluster set, it'll kind of focus on those different areas. If you're looking for more muscle size, you're probably going to be still hitting, you know, like that 10 to 12 rep range. Uh, you're probably going to be sticking more of clusters of like three or four reps. Um, so for example, if we're going to hit 12 reps of uh, um, uh, squat, you would do your cluster set of four reps, taking roughly like a 10 to 20 second break, another four reps, 10 to 20 second break, and then your final four reps. So that would be your 12 reps with those two little pauses in between. Then you're going to rest, uh, longer rest, you know, one, two, three minutes, get more of a recovery. Maybe you're going to do a superset and bounce back to uh, something else. And then when you come back, you'll do your second cluster set. So again, maybe it's the same load. Maybe you're increasing the load, but you're going, you know, your three sets of four clusters uh, to get those 12 reps. So that might be more towards the uh, building muscle size. If we're looking more strength, we might uh, reduce that a little bit. So maybe we're going to hit, you know, sets of uh, eight reps or so. 
and do uh, two reps at a time. So I'll do two, two reps, rest about 20 to 30 seconds, maybe a little bit longer here because we're using higher loads. Uh, then another two sets, rest or reps, uh, rest after that, and then continue until you complete four clusters of two reps with those roughly 30 second breaks in between. And then same thing, we're going to recover from that set, and then we'll we'll go back and repeat that for for a few sets. And then we can even look at power. Uh, maybe we're going to do some Olympic lifting, and uh, we might do something like sets of six, five or six. Maybe we're just doing clusters of one. So you're going to do one rep. Uh, take that 10 to 30 second rest, do your second rep, uh, and then so on. I, and I really like that for things like Olympic lifting, some of those more complex movements, because they require a lot of focus, skill, uh, attention, right? Because things can go wrong. So uh, that's a great way to also just learn, right? Just think of it as one rep at a time. Complete your six reps with a little bit of a break in between, and you complete your sets that way. I also like it uh, for trying to master an exercise, like pull-ups is a big one. I think as soon as people really try and do high rep pull-ups, you know, when I see people posting videos online, it, it just doesn't look like pull-ups anymore. So if we're trying to get strong, build that upper body strength and get much better at, at doing pull-ups, I love doing something like this. So if you're trying to do 10 pull-ups, which I think is very hard uh, for most people, what if we did clusters of two? Um, so you just had to do two pull-ups rest and then two pull-ups rest. And you repeat that for five rounds. Um, that gives you your set of 10. Then you can rest or, you know, do something else and come back to it later. Uh, but I, I really love the cluster sets. Um, I think this is a nice way to add some variety and really break through some uh, some plateaus with some of your your training for strength, power, and, and size. So uh, I, I probably wouldn't do every single lift, but you typically want to do your big movements. So squats and pull-ups and Olympic lifts, deadlifts, uh, maybe bench press, something like that. So any of your kind of complex compound movements, maybe picking like one of those per training session to focus in uh, like this. So, you know, you might start your workout. Maybe I'm just going to pair a, a big exercise with maybe a core exercise. So something almost uh, not not a recovery, but just something a little bit less intensity. So <clears throat> maybe I'm doing uh, squats and I do a cluster uh, of those like uh, four, you know, four clusters of two reps. And um, then I go into, you know, a plank or a rollout or something like that. And then uh, go back to my cluster set. And then maybe I do a circuit after that of, of unrelated exercises or assisting exercises or whatever it might be. So um, that might be a, an easy way to uh, introduce cluster sets into your, your training programs. All right. Uh, the next one I'm sure you've heard of and I'm sure you're doing, but this is kind of one of those reminders uh, because I think it's such a simple tool uh, or training strategy you can use uh, that I think people just kind of forget about maybe, but that's isometrics. Um, we can use isometrics a lot of different ways. Um, I'm sure you guys are familiar with it, but this is basically um, holds, right? Where the muscle force equals the muscle, uh, the resistance that's being placed on those muscles and you just hold. So this could be just holding a weight, holding a body position, pushing or pulling an immovable object, uh, things like that. So we have, you know, near maximal muscle tension, but no movement. This is another one where it's great to expose high intensity with lower risk of, of things happening because you're not actually moving, right? I might throw a, uh, a ton of weight on a bar 
and uh, maybe set it up in uh, a squat rack or you know with on uh, some safeties so it's about you know a few inches off your chest if you were to go under it like uh, on a bench press and I it would be a weight that I know there's no way you can lift and then you're gonna for 10 seconds try and lift it right so you have that intent to push as hard as possible but there's just no way you're gonna lift this weight so it could be something like that an, an isometric press bench press uh, it could be just holding like a, a squat position right so a squat hold uh, a plank right all these are, are great examples of isometrics so the cool thing with isometrics is uh, other than just that lower uh, risk of injury because we have less moving parts um, we also get much more muscle activation more motor units the the nerve and the muscles uh, all firing together so when we do isometrics because uh, we can really focus on that maximal effort you tend to see more muscle contraction so this is actually a great way to uh, uh, a great thing to do preset right before you do an exercise and i know i've talked about this previous on, on, on uh, previous episodes of the podcast um, but you know doing something like a squat hold and then going into your squats uh, might be a, a good way to activate more muscle fibers so you uh, might improve that strength in that upcoming set so so preset i think it's a great way to do it uh, an, another way I, I often use plyometrics uh, we might do an extended plyometrics so a little bit more for endurance to to fatigue that muscle and then try and get those muscles to fire um, in a, a normal repetition after that and i like using this if you tend to suffer with like cramping later in a race and i know i've talked a ton about cramping and we're we're, we're assuming this cramping is not related to um, hydration and electrolyte levels which um, in my opinion is not typically what people are suffering from with when they experience cramps it's more of that fatigue the neuromuscular system is is breaking down and uh, their muscles are basically saying we're not going to do this anymore because we're not ready to handle the load you're putting on it so i think we can train for this and i think where you see a lot of people tend to cramp up if you're picturing in a race doing maybe like a lot of hill climbing so you're just marching marching hiking uh the quads are constantly being ten uh, tense uh the calves right so you just don't get a break and you're climbing for you know 20 minutes or whatever up up a mountain and then you get to the top of that mountain and you have to jump over a wall and you run at that wall and as soon as you try and jump it's like you got you know uh hit with a sniper right in your calf or your or your thigh where you just all of a sudden you go down um and you can't uh, use that muscle for a while. I just need to, to stretch it out and massage it out. Um, I think we can expose ourselves to situations like this. And I love using isometrics for that. So for example, if we're looking at the lower body, let's say you your your thighs cramp up a lot, um, like we, we uh, have this in this previous example. Maybe I have you do a, a wall sit or a squat hold or some lower body isometric hold that's gonna put your quads in tension for an extended period of time. So I might have you hold it for a minute or so. And then once you're done holding it, we're gonna go right into a more dynamic lower body exercise, maybe some walking lunges or a squat jump, something like that to get these muscles to fire after they've been tense for, for a while. So I really love throwing isometrics in. So, um, so I might do it as more uh, a, a short term, like lower intensity isometric hold before you might be doing a, a bigger lift or we might do a longer isometric hold before just trying to get those muscles to do better in a fatigue situation. So those are two um, great ways to introduce isometrics into your training. 
Uh, and then one other way I want to mention is uh, within set or within rep uh, isometrics. So all I mean here is really focusing on isometrics during a rep. So this could be, uh, if I just go back to my squat example, as you squat down, you, you hold it for three to five seconds at the bottom. Most people want to get down and get up, right? Get out of that position, but you're going to get more comfortable in some of those painful positions um, or, or, or the more challenging positions, right? The bottom of a squat, the bottom of a pushup, the top of a pull-up, right? So the, the hardest part of the lift, you need to get more exposure there. So spend some time. And yes, it means you probably have to do less reps. You have to back off the weight. That's the whole point, right? So it, it's not going to be as high intensity for some of these things, but you're exposing yourself to longer duration, longer time under tension in some of these more challenging positions. So if you've never done um, a isometric pull-up where you pause at the top for three seconds, uh, I highly recommend that you start incorporating that into your, your plan. I think it's a great way to build that, that upper body strength. Um, a pause at the, the bottom of a push-up is also another really simple way to do this uh, or squats or whatever it might be. So isometrics, again, is such a simple tool you can use, whether it's preset or during a rep, um, but start adding those in um, for, for all these benefits. Um, and then the final piece that I want to talk about is adding complexes. And I'm pretty sure I've talked previously about complexes, but it, this is just kind of one of my go-to. So I always bring these up if, uh, if you need a little variety in your, your training. Um, what a complex is, it's essentially just a circuit. So you're going to do some circuit training. And the idea is with most complexes, you're using a single load, a single piece of equipment, and you're going to choose exercises that flow into each other. So they're very easy. You, you essentially never put the weight down. So you're going to see a lot of, I, I love using sandbags and kettlebells and barbells, uh, dumbbells, really you can use whatever, um, but things that are really easy to switch from one exercise to the next. Um, are, are great ways to put together complexes. So for example, if I have, um, let's just say I have a, a sandbag, um, I might start with uh, sandbag uh, cleans. So I'm gonna do a, a clean from the floor and maybe I'm gonna do like four or five reps. And then on my last one, um, I'm gonna catch it at the top in the rack position at my shoulders. And from there, I'm gonna go right into uh, reverse lunges holding the sandbag at my uh, my chest, and maybe I'll do four or five reps per leg there. And then I'm gonna go right into a, 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 a front squat. So I'll keep that sandbag right at my chest, um, do my squats there, and then maybe finish with an overhead press or a push press. So all I've done all of these with no rest in between, never putting the weight down, just going from one to the next. So I do my four or five reps of each exercise. Typically you're gonna see like four to eight, um, you know, just as a general guideline, exercises back to back, no rest in between. And then uh, once you finish all repetitions of all exercises, then you'll recover, take a minute or two. And then once you're recovered, you go back to, to your set and repeat. Um, so each set you're going to hit usually around 30 reps. So depending on how many exercises, uh, your goal is to, to hit around 30 reps without stopping. You're just doing different exercises. So if I had five exercises, I'm trying to hit about six reps per exercise. If I had four exercises, maybe I hit seven or eight 
reps there. So just to give you an idea of how to set it up. And essentially what you're doing here is interval training. So it's going to take you a little bit of time to do 30 reps of a bunch of different exercises, probably 30 seconds a minute, something like that of nonstop work. Now, because they are different exercises, you kind of get this blend of strength and conditioning all in ones because you can use fairly high loads because you're only doing like four to six, maybe eight reps uh, in these complexes. So the rep ranges are fairly low. Um, we're doing different uh, movements, different uh, muscles are going to be active for each exercise. So you get a little bit of a recovery so you can maintain uh, higher loads where normally if I said, hey, I need you to do 30 you know, front squats or 30 cleans, you're going to have to pick a weight that you are able to do that many reps. But if I'm saying, well, we're going to do 30 reps with the sandbag, but some are lunges, some are squats, some are, you know, whatever presses, uh, you can pick higher loads. So we get this kind of metabolic response where your heart rate's up, you're using fairly heavy loads. So we still get that strength work in there. Then we're going to take a recovery, get that heart rate back down and repeat. So if you have a hard time getting conditioning into your training, uh, I love using complexes. So if you feel like that's a weakness for you, uh, try either starting your workout or even finishing your workout with, with a complex. Um, they're just fun ways to challenge yourself. Um, you know, anytime I program with clients, they always, they always love the, the complexes. So I'll put videos uh, in the show notes for this episode of a few examples. Like I said, I, I love doing sandbags and kettlebells. I think those are probably the easiest to to implement. But honestly, you have one dumbbell just sitting there. That, just think of five exercises you could do with that one dumbbell without putting it down. That's going to cause you know decent amount of fatigue by the end. Um, and then you'll uh, you know rest and repeat. You know it's it's pretty pretty simple there. It's just getting creative and putting exercises together that kind of makes sense, right? If you're going to use a barbell, I don't want to do a bench press and then go into a back squat, right? Because one, those loads are probably going to be too far off and then you have to re-rack it and then pull a bench in, right? This should be simple. It's almost, I, I'll um, use the analogy of like a yoga flow, right? Where one stretch, one pose uh, moves right into the next one, right into the next one, um, or like these animal flow postures, uh, they all just kind of flow into each other. It's the same same idea. We want them to flow into each other uh, so we can really perform for a pretty long duration uh, without any rest at all, right? So as soon as one exercise is done, you're ready for, for the next one. So um, a lot of creative ways that you can do that. And I actually have a like a two-hour program um, that I'll, I'll put the link to that if, if you want to look more into that on uh, Exercise Complexes Made Simple, which is a program I made a few years ago with, I think, over 60 done-for-you examples of, of complexes and, and kind of the, the insight on how to put them together and program them uh, for yourself. So uh, head on over to the, the show notes for this episode, and you can check out the links there. Uh, for for a few examples as well as uh, that program if you're interested and uh, so those are my three my three ways to uh, spice up your training uh, you don't have to go crazy and add all of these things in there but maybe one day this week you uh, play around with a cluster set and then maybe the next day you throw in some isometrics and then maybe one you throw in a conditioning day and uh, do your complexes and I, I didn't mention it but complexes that could be your whole work sometimes I, I only have like 20 minutes I'm going to do a you know four to six rounds of a complex, get my heart rate up. Um, and, and I feel like I get a lot out of it in a very short amount of time. So, uh, have, 
have fun with those and I, I hope those help spice up your training plan. All right, guys. Well, that's going to do it for episode 94 of the OCR Underground Show. As always, thanks for uh, tuning in. Uh, remember, check out the show notes. I'm going to have lots of links and videos and all sorts of fun stuff for you over at OCRunderground.com slash episode dash 94. Um, also, check out uh, our sponsors. You know, big thanks to them for, for helping me out with this show. Uh, so check out Venga, CBD, Naboso, and Anchor and all their uh, amazing products and again the show notes will have uh, links to their websites as well as any promo codes that i can pass on to you guys um, if you guys need any other help or have questions or topics that you want me to to discuss on the show please uh, reach out to me let me know how i can help uh, you can reach me at mike at ocrunderground.com uh, that's it for now hopefully i'll be back soon with another uh, another great episode for you until then keep training smarter